It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN, a Friday edition. Scott Foster in here with you, along with Clay Patton and Bob Brogan and Jason Jorgensen. The band is all here, live and in color, and uh, we turn it over to our august ag guy i couldn't come up with a third one if i would have had a third a i would have used that but hello clay right you're getting there okay I've, it's well, it's two, two out of and three, if three. i could say uh bob rogan is going to do something absolutely amazing he's been working on this right. for months he's going <laughs> to throw his dave voice yes. like dave schroeder you know schroeder you know what i did there is i didn't even look up even though i've been talking to dave schroeder i didn't even look up sorry dave that's Hi. all right. Well, you know, the problem has been that Bob, we couldn't even see the last couple of days because his chair was so low. And so I was recording in the other studio and saw him doing that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it was something. Anyway, hi. The in office levity. There we go. go well, let's get a rundown on what the farm team is up to today. At 1219, Shaley Peter sits down with uh, state climatologist Al Dutcher. Cooler temperatures in the forecast, maybe. I don't want to talk about the uh, F word, the frost word. But who knows? Maybe that's up for discussion. 1245, it's day two of Exarbon. We hear the latest from Shaley Peters. She has been out there and in the thick of what's going on. Of course, Exarbon is this its second year in its new home there, along with the uh, state fairgrounds in Grand Island. So excited to see that come to central Nebraska. At 117, I step to Minden, Nebraska, on the Olson family farm as we see the seed corn pickers roll. For this this last rendition of uh, my my following of the 2019 growing season, Fridays in the field. Wow! Yes, it's good to see him rolling. Good it to is. see him rolling. That's it and and quite the machinery. I'd never been on a seed corn picker before, so completely new experience for me. But uh, so thankful to have the opportunity to do it. It was quite interesting. Did, Did you, you get to s- the radio to make sure it was on 880? It was on 880. Okay. It was, uh, everything was on 880. Now I don't know if that was you know t- you know if somebody had radioed ahead and no. told them what was going on. No. Or no, it's not. Did you get to see the Jason Jorgensen statue when you went through Minden? Or uh, uh, unfortunately, no. It looked like they had it down for polishing that. Day. <laughs> Hello, Jason. How are you? Well, good. How are you? What do you? There got? is no Jason Jordan. I can't. Well, th- not yet. It's. Uh, there it's have a- been some fine folks to come out of Carney County, and I have not <laughs> risen to that level to have a statue to this point. But I, I appreciate the sentiment. You bet. You bet. You bet. Hey, kind of a big game tomorrow. A kind of. A uh, mm. few folks are interested in that. In fact. They're holding a press conference right now, talking with the guys from College Game Day. I didn't know they did a press conference no. before Game Day, but they are today. And then later on this afternoon at one thirty, there's a big press conference when Athletic Director Bill Moose will discuss uh, what's coming in terms of facilities. Of course, back in the day, they had a football team of about 105 guys. Mm-hmm. These days, Coach Frost would like a roster of 150, so you need more room to house people so there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend in lincoln major expansion that yes, is what he's talking Edward about track will go bye-bye they will move that out to innovation campus really yeah, you hadn't heard that i oh, hadn't yeah, edward track gone mm-hmm. i don't know a lot of like history that. being that's a lot place there okay all right we'll check out business this is dave schroeder by the way in case i introduced you wrong earlier dave i don't know who would have done that's that all right <laughs> what do you got today in stock hey, stocks are edging uh, lower fractionally today because of gains in the banks were offset by sharp drops in technology companies today uh, communication stocks also fell. So we'll be checking more on that and also some uh, reports that typically come out this time of the month. All right, very good. Well, that's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to check in with our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. We got a chance to talk to Paul Perkins about everything that's going on. Looks like weather's going to change a little bit as we go into next week. They're still talking about some pretty impressive uh, snow in the Montana area. Meanwhile, in the southeastern part of the United States, they're continuing to bake down there. All right, well, let's check in with Paul to give us a little bit more. A cold front will stall over east and central Kansas and be the main focus for thunderstorms later today through tomorrow. North and west of the front, mainly cloudy and cooler with some smaller thunderstorm chances. That front will lift to the north as a warm front by tomorrow night and be the focus for a few more thunderstorms. After highs in the 60s tomorrow, Sunday and Monday, windy and drastically warmer with highs in the 80s to even some low 90s. Daytime highs will cool back into the 60s for the midweek. Low pressure and a cold front will combine for a much better chance of thunderstorms Monday night into Tuesday night. A few strong to severe storms will be possible. The chances for rain will linger on into Wednesday night. Thursday will be dry before another system could bring more rain and another cool down late in the weekend next weekend. In the long-term forecast, temperatures are likely to be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal for Wednesday through October 10th in Nebraska and Kansas. The central Nebraska daytime highs for early October are usually in the low 70s with average overnight lows in the low to mid-40s. Above normal rainfall is likely for Wednesday through the 10th for Nebraska and Kansas, especially the mid to late part of next week for eastern Nebraska into central Kansas. Weather factors in the market include heavy rain and a flood threat in the Midwest and rain and snow in the Canadian prairies. During the weekend, an impressive winter-like storm will deliver wind-driven snow to the northern Rockies and nearby high plains. Total rainfall could reach 1 to 3 inches across the rest of the northern plains and from Kansas into the Great Lakes. Warm, mostly dry weather will persist from the Gulf Coast into the Ohio Valley and the Mid-Atlantic. The northern plains will see heavy rain and flooding the next week, which will delay early harvest and possibly damage crops. Temperatures will remain above freezing to allow continued maturing of crops. The southeast Midwest will be dry and very warm over the next several days to favor harvest progress. Western areas of the northern plains will experience impacts to transportation from heavy snow, wind, and cold. In the central and east northern plains, heavy thunderstorms will delay and disrupt the harvest of spring wheat, corn, and soybeans. Developing cold will possibly affect immature row crops. In the Canadian prairies, crop and livestock impact will be extreme from heavy snow in south Alberta and south and central Saskatchewan. A hard freeze will end the growing season in the western half of the Canadian prairies. I'm Paul Perkins. That's a check of your ag weather. It's time again this week. We get to visit with our Nebraska Extension agricultural climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Al, as we kicked fall off earlier in the week, the temperatures reacted accordingly. It's been an absolutely beautiful week. As we look to wrap up September, though, head into October, what can we expect? Well, Shaley, it took a long time for that trough to work its way across the state, but over the next 24 to 36 hours, we're going to have to go through a little bit of misery before we get into some warmer temperatures, at least for the second half of the weekend. And what we have and, and what we're seeing here in Nebraska is that a surface cold front that's associated with that upper air low to our north has pushed through the state and it's basically lying along the southeast corner of the state. That's at the surface. Somewhere around the I-80 corridors where that trough or the backside of the upper air trough should be as we get into late this afternoon. So there is a chance for the generation of thunderstorm activity. And then that system will push southward and hang up somewhere in the northern one-third of Kansas. And as we go into the day tomorrow after ushering this cooler air in, we're going to start to see that front lift back in terms of a warm front. And thunderstorm activity will likely increase, particularly during the second half of the day. 
And we should start to see that entering southeast Nebraska with some localized heavy precipitation possible, especially south and east of the line from Beatrice to Nebraska City. And as we go through the late afternoon and the evening hours, we may see that precipitation shield lift up into east central Nebraska before it goes into through the overnight hours into west central portions of Iowa and northern Iowa. The most likely area for significant accumulations is the southeast corner. Then we're going to get a couple days break, and we're going to see temperatures across the southern one-third of the state on Sunday, probably reaching the mid to upper 80s. We're probably in the lower 80s to the north. And then on Monday, before the next frontal boundary comes through, we're looking at mid-80s north, upper 80s to low 90s south. And then the front will come through on Monday night. And it basically hangs that up, slowly hangs it up over East Central, Southeast Nebraska, and the quantitative precipitation forecast for Tuesday and Wednesday indicates a broad area of heavy precipitation and covering Southeast Nebraska all the way through southwestern Iowa and up through northeastern Iowa. The quantitative precipitation forecast, including these two days, indicates that we will see anywhere from two to five inches over Iowa, one to three over southeast Nebraska, and one to two from from about Grand Island eastward. The areas of the state that are likely to see little, if any, significant moisture would be uh, that area of southwest Nebraska, west central Nebraska, and probably a vast majority of the southern half of the panhandle. That'll be the dry slot area of this storm system. But more importantly, as we get into Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to see some significantly colder air move into our region. We'll be a little fortunate to see highs in the mid-50s across the northeastern part of the state. We're probably looking at the lower to mid-60s across extreme southern Nebraska. And then we turn our attention to, as that system moves toward the Great Lakes, will it bring in much cold air into our region? We definitely look at a, a decent shot for freezing temperatures. How cold it's going to get is still the open-ended question. From North Dakota through at least central South Dakota and then eastward, if we can get enough clearing before we see the coldest air come in, then we most likely would look at some scattered frost possibilities across the northern part of the state. The good news is one little system expected to pass through as we get through the early heart of next weekend, and then it looks like the models keep us under high pressure for at least seven days before the next system starts to take shape in the western United States. So those areas that don't get inundated with heavy precipitation will have a decent opportunity to get back on the field and conduct harvest activities. Those that get caught under these heavier precipitation are probably going to be delayed for a good week before we get significant drying weather. All right, thanks so much, Al. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason Jorgensen in studio right now. And not only do we have game day, we've got a game tomorrow. Heisman House will be there. Uh, Johnny Rogers, Eric Crouch. It's just, it's a big national audience thing, isn't it? It's a good thing that the Huskers pulled out that game last week against Illinois. Otherwise, that might have derailed the plans, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. 17-point <laughs> dogs, but at least they get to show off a little bit. They do, and they get their shot in front of a national audience tomorrow night when they face undefeated and fifth-ranked Ohio State. Now, the Buckeyes have cruised for the first portion of the season, outscoring their four opponents 214-36. to Head coach Scott Frost is still looking for a signature win at Nebraska, and he says this would be it. Yeah, it's step-by-step. Step, it's day-by-day. We've cleared a lot of hurdles. I think last Saturday was a big hurdle for us to be in a bad situation and not crumble but stand fast and respond. Winning a big game against a really good team is, is a step and a hurdle we're going to have to jump over at some point. And we got a shot to do that Saturday. We'll see where we stack up with them. 
Ohio State has been dominant on both sides of the ball, ranking third in the country in scoring offense at 54 points per game while giving up just nine. Of course, the Huskers played with these people a year ago. Did. But the Buckeyes may have been looking past Nebraska a little Maybe. bit last year, and this this Ohio State team might be even better. Yeah, We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Kickoff at 6.30. We'll bring you the game here on 880-KRVN. Another Husker News, the university is holding a press conference in about an hour to announce new upgrades to the facilities for the football program. The project is expected to come with a price tag in the neighborhood of $150 million. The facility is expected to sit where the Edward Track is currently located, just up to the northeast corner of Memorial Stadium. Now the NU Track and Field program will then relocate to a new venue on Innovation Campus. UNK has a big game tomorrow night as the Lopers host 18th-ranked and undefeated Pittsburgh State at Cope Stadium. Last week, the Lopers broke a long losing streak in Emporia State, and linebacker Sal Silvio says that was a big win. It was nice to finally pull one through one of those close games where we kind of got down and then come back. And uh, I think the biggest difference was we just focused on us. We didn't really worry about the other team or any of the, the situation that was going on. We took it play by play and uh, just played every play as hard as we could. UNK will look to stop another streak tomorrow night as they've lost 11 straight times to Pittsburgh State. Kickoff is set for seven. We'll have that game for you over on. 93.1 on the river. And for the 19th time in the past 24 years, K-State begins Big 12 play on the road. This year it's a 3-1 and Oklahoma State. The 24th-ranked Wildcats will th- kick things off against Cowboys tomorrow night in Stillwater at 6. And Oakland and Tampa Bay could clinch the AL wildcard spots and close out Cleveland. Francisco Lindor and the Indians put themselves in a bind by losing again to the White Sox last night. That loss drops them to two games behind the Rays for the second wildcard spot. The three playoff contenders each have three games left. A little surprising to see uh, Cleveland fold up and die here at the end. Yeah, they've had you know they're they're managed pretty well. I thought they would do pretty good, but uh, I guess you don't ever know. I got a question: Is with the expansion, will the columns still will they keep the columns? Do you think that's at Ed Weird Track? That's kind of become iconic. I don't know. Wonder. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's that's a big part. A lot of folks thought they would try to fix the South Stadium, but it sounds like that might come in another phase. So if you're a Husker backer, get ready to send in your checks. (laughs) They're going to be asking for donations. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Thank you, Jason. U.S. Attorney Joe Kelly has announced that a Crete-based company specializing in processing animal materials and byproducts for the pet food industry has been sentenced to pay a fine of $100,000 following the company's misdemeanor conviction for violating the Federal Clean Water Act. The investigation by the Environmental Protection Agency determined that in June of 2013, Crete Core Ingredients was issued a wastewater discharge permit by the Nebraska Department of Environmental Quality. Their permit authorized the discharge of wastewater from Crete Core Ingredients to the City of Crete's publicly owned water treatment facility. Their permit set forth limits on the amount of certain pollutants that were allowed to enter the water treatment facility. The permit further provided that in the event of a permit violation, Crete Core Ingredients was subject to penalties and sanctions. On or around the 2014, Crete Core Ingredients exceeded its wastewater discharge permit, violating the Federal Clean Water Act. The wastewater flow data from Crete Core Ingredients to the city of Crete's publicly owned water treatment facility showed a discharge of certain pollutants 
over twice the daily maximum that was permitted under the issued permit. The case was investigated by the Environmental Protection Agency's Criminal Investigation Division. Good news for farmers, the U.S. and Japan have reached a trade deal. U.S. Senator Ben Sass. There's obviously still more work to do here, but this is really good news for Nebraska's producers. We need more trade deals in the Pacific because they're great for business in Nebraska and because it helps build allies as we turn up the pressure on China. Steve Nelson with Nebraska Farm Bureau says U.S. beef is king in Japan, and Nebraska exported more than $253 million of beef products in 2017 to Japan. The U.S. Senate has confirmed the nomination of an Air Force general to become the vice chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The Senate voted 75-22 to to elevate John Hyten to the position, despite an aide's allegations that he had subjected her to unwanted sexual advances. Nebraska Senators Deb Fisher and Ben Sass voted for Hyten. Ten of the 22 no votes came from female senators, including Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, the only Republican to vote against him. Hyten is currently head of U.S. Strategic Command headquarters at Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha. And investigators have determined that a leak in a propane line caused a deadly explosion in Maine. The leak was discovered in a propane line buried under the paved parking lot. It entered the building in the basement. Firefighters arrived to investigate a gas odor at the Life Enrichment Advancing People Center in Farmington, Maine, just before it exploded on September 16th. The blast killed a firefighter and injured eight other people. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Exarbond 2019 is officially underway in Grand Island, Nebraska in its third year there. I'm Shaley Peters joining you on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to visit today with Gretchen Kirschman. She is Strategic Development Manager for Exarbon and through the State Fair. Of course, it's held in Grand Island on the State Fairgrounds. And Gretchen, as shows really get underway here this morning into this afternoon, there's all sorts of things going on here at the State Fairgrounds. Just give us kind of some insight to Exarbon 2019. So we get to celebrate our 92nd anniversary here. It's our third time being in Grand Island at these wonderful facilities. We're produced and managed by the Nebraska State Fair. Some of the fun new things is we did expand our trade show into the Pinnacle Bank Expo Center, and so it is full of vendors. Um, lots of products to come and shop. It's free and open to the public each day. And then, of course, our barns are full of animals. We've got about 2,700 animals on site and 900 exhibitors coming from 14 states. Of course, Exarbon officially kicked off yesterday. There were a ton of exhibitors checking in, animals really starting to roll into the state fairgrounds. So talk a little bit more about the animals and maybe just the environment uh, as things get going. You know, it's great. We're super excited. We're led by Greg Harder, our Exarbon Stock Show Director, and he is all about fun and fundamentals and making sure that youth get to have that agricultural experience in a great facility and show and exhibit. Our pinnacle event is the Purple Ribbon Auction. That happens on Saturday night. So we've got 900 entries in and we'll take it down to 34 exhibitors that get to make the auction. You did mention the change of date for that Purple Ribbon Auction. I know it's a main feature every single year. Talk to us more about what exactly the Purple Ribbon Auction is, who comes together, a pretty big effort, and really exciting for the kids, the exhibitors. 
Okay, so the Purple Ribbon Auction is the opportunity for youth to compete for scholarships and awards. We've got lots of generous buyers and donors and sponsors that come together and you buy an auction lot and you actually are doing philanthropic giving by giving a scholarship and award to those exhibitors. And so we changed it. It used to be on Sunday, but we changed it to Saturday. We did some research. We had some sponsors talk about us. And it's just nice that on Saturday night, the barns will still be full. Most of our exhibitors will be here and they'll have an opportunity to get to see their fellow competitors win those awards and scholarships. You also talked about earlier the vendors getting to move into a bigger space. They're now in the Pinnacle Expo building. What other new things are happening across Exarvin this year? Maybe things you certainly want to highlight. Well, we've um, definitely started some alumni function things. So tonight we'll have the South Dakota State University Alumni and Friends in the Barn Bar. Last night we had UNL and the College of Natural Resources and Ag Sciences with theirs. You know, it's just continually growing and expanding. And I think one of the neat things this year is that it is a true junior livestock show model. So it's open to youth 9 to 19 from 14 states. We added in Arkansas, Montana, Indiana, and Wisconsin this year. I also wanted to ask about the history. Of course, Exarbon has a very rich history, uh, but it's pretty darn new to Grand Island. It's been here a few years and you've got a few years under your belt. I know you guys in planning this year's Exarbon made it a point to really bring that history with you even though it's at a, a fairly new facility. Um, there is a lot of opportunity to experience Exarbon uh, today and even throughout the past. Yes, and you'll see a lot of our alumni are going to be walking around. We added AK alumni pins this year, so if you're an alumni of the Exarbon Stock Show, stop by, see us in the Livestock Office, make sure you get your alumni pin. And just really, it's that old home field connecting week. We are so blessed to get to be here in Grand Island with the great community support that we have. So again, Exarbon officially kicked off yesterday with check-in and just a lot of buzz around the state fairgrounds as this year gets underway. Um, just a lot of excitement and maybe touch on that a little bit more. Lots and lots of excitement. I am sporting the new t-shirt logo. So Wells Fargo is our official t-shirt sponsor. So we have a new exhibitor t-shirt this year. So people really like that. And um, it's just, you know, it's old home week. People get to come together from all across the different states and connect and see their friends that they see a few times a year. All right. Thank you so much. Gretchen Kirschman, she is Strategic Development Manager with Exarbon. Show's officially kicked off this morning here on Friday and will run all the way through 6 p.m. Another reminder of that date change, the Purple Ribbon Auction, which is a very big feature of Exarbon, this year happening on Saturday 7 p.m. start to that and running all the way through Sunday shows and several other events. Um, you can check out the full schedule and all things Exarbon by visiting exarbonstockshow.com. I'm Shaylee Peters from the State Fairgrounds for the Rural Radio Network. When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be 
there to alert you to any significant weather events, and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south, looking at Interstate 80, and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880-KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at the stock market, see what's going on in the business world. And all over the world, let's take a look at the overnights. Always interesting to see where they're at. The Japanese Nikkei was down 168 last night. The The Hang Seng in Hong Kong down 86. Now, the European markets were up. The London FTSE was up 75, and the German DAX up 92. Now, we continue a trend that we've seen much of the week in the United States, and that stocks have been down pretty much all week, but not by a lot. So I guess that's a good thing. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is right now down 96 points. The NASDAQ down 98, which is quite a bit for the NASDAQ. And the S&P is down 20. So stocks uh, not doing great this week. Bob Brogan here with more. Stocks sliding lower in midday trading on Wall Street as broad gains for banks were offset by sharp drops in technology companies. Tech stocks slumped after chipmaker Micron gave investors a weak profit forecast and a warning about sales and the U.S.-China trade war. Communication stocks also fell. American consumers boosted their spending by just one-tenth of a percent in August, the smallest gain in six months, even as their incomes rose at a solid pace. The Commerce Department says that personal income increased four-tenths of a percent up from a small gain in the previous month, A measure of inflation preferred by the Federal Reserve was flat, but excluding the volatile food and energy categories, core prices ticked up one-tenth percent. Orders to U.S. factories for big-ticket manufactured goods showed a slight increase in August, but a key sector that tracks business investment plans declined, likely reflecting fallout from President Donald Trump's trade wars. Commerce Department reports that orders for durable goods edged up two-tenths percent in August after a much bigger two percent gain in July. And the business, that's the business reports. I'm Bob Brogan. All right, thank you, Bob. Turn on my microphone there. You're right about Micron. They're down 10 percent today, so they're kind of the big loser. Wells Fargo uh, is the big gainer right now on Wall Street, up over 4% oil. We've been kind of keeping an eye on oil, especially, especially after the Saudi Arabia thing. And, and uh, you know, it, it took off one day, and then it just never really did much after that. And it's down today uh, a little over a half a percent at $56 a barrel. So that's good news, I guess, if you want to put fuel in your car. Yes, and uh, apparently there's plenty of it. We're not hearing any reports that there isn't. So um, I guess um, we need we can go wherever we want. Gas lines aren't coming. I no, not any line. not any time soon, like they were in the seventies. 
Go Big Red echoes loud and proud across the Great Plains as KRVN and Husker Sports bring you Nebraska football. KRVN sets a new record each week, having brought more Husker games to you than any other station. With the power of 50,000 watts on the AM, plus 106.9 FM and 98.5 FM, you'll hear every snap of the season. I'm Greg Scheib. Join me and Matt Davison and the entire broadcast crew for Husker football on the rural voice of Nebraska, 880-KRVN. Fall officially dawns, seed corn pickers are rolling on the Olson family farm. It's Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the field. I watched as the picker made its final passes on a field we have followed throughout the growing season south of Menden on the Olson family farm. Steve lets us in on how the field has performed since our last conversation. There's been challenges uh, with the weather and stuff, but for the most part, we've come out of this reasonably good. We're hoping that yields are are decent. The company itself, Monsanto or Bayer, has said that some of their uh, yields have been about 115% of what they thought they were going to be, so we're hoping for the best on ours also. We're just, this is the first field that they've started on. We've got four fields left to, to do. Of course, 2019 was filled with challenges, starting with delayed planning. Throughout the growing season, producers have been challenged by cool days that haven't provided the best growing degrees. But Steve believes things really turned around in recent weeks. The last four or five weeks have this warm weather has really helped bring things along, which we've really needed. I don't think frost is going to be an issue for most of the crops around here at this point. We had some decent rains also, so the irrigation has been uh, minimal this year compared to most years. Family farm transition has been part of our focus on the Olson family farm. Steve has mentioned several times that he is a big believer in letting the next generation take on their share of responsibility and letting them make their own decisions. This year's son-in-law, Brock Emery, has increased his management acres, and Steve is proud of the job he's done. I feel like he's handled it really good. I can't speak for him. Obviously, uh, you know, he might look at it differently, but I think it's been going really well. We'll be starting to put some cover crops in as this corn starts to get harvested. We'll be starting beans. We'll see how that all plays out as we go through this process of harvest now. Along with family farm transition, Steve is also working on keeping his soil healthy with the use of cover crops. All of the buffer strips and corners that were wheat were planted to millet following the midsummer harvest. With the beneficial moisture and recent growing conditions, the millet looks outstanding. As Steve gets ready for soybean harvest, he's also preparing his drill for cover crops behind the combine. The cover crops that we use, we're going to be starting on on those now this week. We'll have about a month of grow, good growing yet. Uh, my base is going to be wheat, and that will come up next spring again. And then uh, along with that, we'll have sunflowers, camelina is another one, and rape. I think there's about three three others that we, we blend in with that. And so we'll get some growth on that hopefully this fall. That should help establish things for next spring also. Steve was hesitant at first about being on Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field, but overall, he would rate it a good experience. It has been for me. I was very uncomfortable thinking that I was going to do this, but it's been easy. I think it's it's important. I've seen the importance in trying to communicate with our agriculture community. You know, just if I can be a small part of trying to communicate that we're working together at trying to, to make this process work. We need new generations to come in and feed people. I mean, that's that's what basically what we're doing. 
Steve has a passion for agriculture and the next generation's involvement on the family farm. I'm glad I've been able to help showcase that passion this year, but no words I can say sum it up quite like Steve. It's always good in the fall to have a harvest, and hopefully we have some decent yields and can continue to keep this process going with a new generation. For Big Iron Realties, Friday's in the field near Minden, Nebraska. I'm Clay Patton. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Corn today finished one to one and a quarter lowers. Can't seem to get out of that 10 cent trading range. With us, John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So what gives here in the corn market that we've been stuck in this range for a month? Yeah, you know, nothing moves it. You think, you know, up moving crude oil two weeks ago, it doesn't really change the price. Uh, down moved the last uh, 24 hours, 48 hours, no real change in the price. In fact, ethanol was even up today. So that's, uh, that story doesn't really, will really hold much water as far as pushing the sell off. You know, there's, we're going into Monday's report. I don't know if we're going to see much of a change. These quarterly reports can tend to be volatile, but in this, in this regard, we're not going to get any updated new crop data. It'll just be around what's moved in the old crop. And we've seen some reductions in demand lower the last couple of months, so a lot of that might already be factored in. So I don't know if I'd take much of a stance going into the number. I would think that as we get into the end of the year, or the, I'm sorry, the end of the week of next week, we'll focus more on the WASDI and the, the Chinese visit, which is going to happen at the end of the uh, at the end of the following week. So, the, the, if you're a trader here, you're, this is your your schedule. You got to report on Monday. The uh, Chinese come to visit on the 10th to the 11th. Following that on the 15th, or I'm sorry, on the 10th we also have a WASDI report, and then on the 15th is when the tariffs go go in, into uh, into uh, gear for, for China. So there's a lot that can move it here, but um, corn is very quiet. Soybeans, other than being down a couple of pennies, really haven't moved much either. Managed mun's money funds were net buyers of about 2,100 contracts of wheat. That helped at least for Chicago wheat futures. Yeah, and so we're starting to see the tip, the the uptick in the foreign markets. I think we bottomed in Russia. Still a lot of supply available over in Europe and in the Black Sea, so I don't think the market needs to run away. But the U.S. carryout for soft red wheat is that I think we're at a seven or eight year low right now, and that's just that class of category. Obviously, the hard red red takes us up to near record levels, but um, that's a that's a factor here. I think you got to be careful of the the market's going to stay high enough that it doesn't have to. You know, it kind of wants to shed U.S. demand overseas um, on the soft red supply, um, but at the same time, it can't get too high because we have such cheap wheat prices here and, and overseas as well. So, I think the, the soft red wheat market's kind of tied here. Maybe we test five bucks. Maybe we test three eighty December corn. But I just don't know if there's a lot of upside here on either any of these markets without KC wheat moving. Thanks uh, for the comments, John. John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Now, some of the reasons for this uh, indicating uh, this Chicago wheat rally was on the potential as well for southern hemisphere crop losses due to adverse weather. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. That'll do it for our midday program here on a Friday in KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. 
When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal. 